Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today, I'm talking to Cheryl Costa again, who is the author of UFO Sightings, Best Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2021, along with Linda Costa, and also additional books, which will be coming out slowly of all the statistics by state. Um, Cheryl has previously been on the dojo addressing her significant work with UFO data, but today we wanted to talk about consciousness. Um, so that's why Cheryl's back, because we didn't get to talk about that last time. <laughs> so welcome back. Okay. Um, so I would really, I know it's sort of a broad topic. I, like, honestly, I just wanted to have a natural conversation about it. I feel like what ends up happening is people discover along the way um, in their UFO research that consciousness is very much tied into this topic and to the paranormal in general. So what do you think? Do you think there's a definite connection? I feel like this is an obvious one, but yeah. Well, okay, there's a lot of people say, oh, it's baloney, you know, and, uh, and I like to call those folks the um, uh, I want to sit in the cockpit crowd of the UFO. Okay, it's all it's all about tin cans, okay, and uh, things that fly here and you know uh, make impressions in the ground and shine in the sky and all this stuff. Um, the the thing is, if you really had to think about it, just step back away from UFOs for a minute. When you think about anything in the paranormal environment, okay, they're all related to the same thing. Okay, but our culture has tended to stovepipe them. Okay, and you talk to the, the Bigfoot people, and uh, they don't want to have anything to do with the UFOs. And UFO people a lot of times don't want to have anything to do with the Bigfoot people. But I've heard stories where, like a guy down in Pennsylvania a number of years ago, um, heard rustling around out in his barnyard, went outside, and uh, uh, there'd been reports of Bigfoot around. And they had they looked out there and uh, shotgun. Uh, the farmer and his son, uh, adult son, had their shotguns pointing at this Bigfoot, and the Bigfoot was looking at his tractor, turned and looked at him, went, clicked something, and gone. Okay. So uh, that was one of the cooler, cooler stories I heard from a Pennsylvania investigator. So um, I, I tend to, I, I say, okay, I think they're all related to some degree. Okay. Can I tell you how they're related exactly? No, I can't. But when you talk about UFOs and you talk about consciousness and all that, I've talked to a lot of people over the years who are very deep in the, what I'm going to call the, the metaphysical stuff. And nothing anybody tells me about about the phenomena isn't consistent with many things people who are metaphysical people and mystics deal with. Okay, um, I'll give you an example. Some people, some people in um, uh, CE five events, you know, that's the uh, uh, close encounters five events where humans initiate contact with ET. Okay. And I'm going to define ET in a very broad sense. Anybody out there. Okay. And then they see manifestations that are not necessarily 
a craft, but maybe a very highly ascended being shows up, kind of maybe maybe has that ghostly look to them or something like that, you know. Um, you see what I'm saying? There's it's it's not just guys in ships. There's a lot more to it than than that. Yeah. I have you ever just side note. Have you ever wondered when we're doing this act of calling things down or calling things out or merging things, bringing things from possibly another dimension? Who knows exactly what? Right. Um, that maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, I wonder about that. Like, maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay. Let's go there for a second. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I've been a card carrying witch for 44 years. Okay. And where I see people get into trouble calling things in. Now, experienced people in metaphysical work, particularly people who deal with it as like, we'll say pagan clergy of some flavor. And I'm not somebody who picked up a book two weeks ago and calls himself pagan clergy. I'm talking people who are grounded in it, been doing it for a long time. Okay. Give you an example. There's a, a prayer called the charge of the goddess and it's an invoking prayer. Okay. It's done at the beginning of a circle and experienced priestesses frequently channel the goddess during that part of that prayer you can tell there's a there's somebody else there not it's not Susie okay that type of thing you know and I've had little kids particularly uh, little kids um sometimes you know there's a point back there when I thought well maybe she's just a good actress and was able to shift the persona or something you know and then I was some of the kids that were coming and being in circle with their parents you know, four, five, six years old, have a four or five-year-old come up and say, is Aunt Susie going to be the goddess tonight? Okay. And you would have that Aunt Susie out there being the high priest of the circle, doing all the stuff she's supposed to do, and she's doing this charge of the goddess. At some port part during the prayer, the little girl look up, ah, the goddess is here. Uh. Okay. Uh, the innocence sees them. It's little kids, dogs, and cats that can see the ghost that comes in the room too. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it's that it's that flavor. Um, there was a great line from uh, it really says it well. It was from that movie um, Beetlejuice, the original mm -hmm. Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. And somebody was reading from the book that said, you know, people who are dead living generally don't see them or or refuse to see them okay now our whole culture is set up think about this a minute most kids had an imaginary playmate mm -hmm. most kids talked to other people who weren't there or if there was something other maybe hijinks going on the kid will blame it on this and of course the parents say there's no such thing so mm -hmm. we very broadly particularly in western culture been told there's no such thing it's your imagination so gradually over time we shut it out mm -hmm. cia did the same thing with the psyops and people, ah, there's no such thing over there you didn't see nothing no and you didn't either yeah okay you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. it was that wink wink thing oh no we didn't see anything um well, i you know i'll just say cheryl i actually knew someone who said that he saw demons 
that he could see them from a young age. And I guess he never shut that out. Okay. Um, one man's demons, another man's angel. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it, we also bring to the vision part of what's within us. Okay. Um, some people who have seen aliens may we're, we're seeing some kind of sentient metaphysical being interdimensional, whatever. Okay. That's what we're seeing. How our member, our eyes perceive our brain processes. Okay. And some people process it and think it, you know, it's a, a demon. Okay. Because maybe it's something the way it was programmed in or whatever cartoons they were watching, or whatever mom and dad or grandma was giving them as a fairy tale. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Again, that perception can be, be manipulated with UFO sightings. For example, uh, there was a, uh, one of the, um, Bar- what I'm going to call barren lakes, one of the lakes up in the Adirondack mountains. Don't think of it as a lake with cottages around it. Okay. It's out there. It's all woodland around it, except for a few, couple of openings that uh, hunters have opened up over the years and they have fire pits and things like this. And there were 10 people at this particular sighting. I did a newspaper story about this. And something came down over the lake and hovered over the lake. Three of them clearly saw a craft. Okay. Two saw something that was something like a cartoonish version of that craft. Okay. A couple of people just saw all they thought they could see was a ball of light. And a little two of those people said they were staring right at the other people said they were staring right at it and they couldn't see it. Yeah. You know, they, we hear about this a lot. I wonder, yeah, is it our brain is not processing um, our perception is really being thrown off. Our brain is just not capable of getting what it's seeing or if there's also even possibly manipulation, like that's part of their like cloaking. Okay. Uh, hold that one for a minute. Hold the cloaking okay. one. Okay. Um, I, I'd like to talk about that at some point. Um, remember our brain, brain has to analyze this. And it, there's a story about the native Americans could not see uh, Cortez's ships sitting in the bay. They couldn't see them. And one of the shamans in the tribe noticed that the waves were splashing up against something that they couldn't see. And gradually, by studying it, he eventually was able to see it and then was able to tell others and then they could see it. They'd never seen anything like that. The ship. The galley. See, see, I always just think... In that case, they would see an object, though, because they've certainly, you know, seen wood. They've seen large objects. They've seen shapes. So I feel, I don't know. I feel like there's there's a syndrome. This is well documented. Mm -hmm. Um, I just lost one of my earphones. Bear with me. A long time ago, I had a, a minor injury and it broke some cartilage in my ear. Okay. And when it healed, I don't have quite the same ear canal as I do in the other ear. Okay. So, uh, so when I wear earbuds, um, sometimes the one over here falls out a lot. Okay. 
there's a there's a syndrome where and they've tested this. University uh, psych teams have uh, tested this. Um, the classic is there's a space basketball game going on. Okay, and during the middle of a, a big play in a basketball game, a guy in a gorilla suit runs across the court. Nobody sees it, or very few people see it. And the only way they were able to prove it to people was they showed them the videotape of the play. Okay, there's it's it's called I don't remember the exact name for it, but basically the slant the the slang term for it is unexpected syndrome. You didn't expect to see it, so you didn't. When a car accidents, they say, have been caused this way. You didn't expect to see that car. It was there and suddenly it was there. How did I run into it? It wasn't there a minute ago. That kind of thing. Um, carry that one a step further. How many times have you lost your car keys in the house? You're running around frantic looking at them and they're sitting there staring at you on the damn coffee table where you looked at it five times. I have that problem with my glasses sometimes. As do, I. do you know how many times do you know how many times I have gone around here screaming I can't find my damn glasses and Linda will point them point them up as I got them up here. <laughs> I believe yeah. it. But um that's the that's the that's the, the pain of that. Let's talk about consciousness in the ethereal sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quantum physics says we're connected to everything, everywhere, every mm-hmm. when. There's entanglement, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I like to say, excuse me, from a mystical standpoint, there's entanglement and then there's entanglement, mm-hmm. okay? If you take your two little fingers and hook them together to hold your hands together, that's the the Western English definition of entanglement. The German word for entanglement is like this. For those who can't see, because it's audio. Oh, that's right. We're audio yeah. only. Right? <laughs> it's a, it's like two arms gripping. <laughs> Holding each other's wrist, right. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the deal is, as I teach my students, we are connected to everything, everywhere, every when. Mm-hmm. Okay? And physics tells us everything is happening at once. There is no time. Okay? So... There's there's these aspects, and the idea that people can be connected uh, psychically, you know, we'll say like telepathy. There are people who said, "Oh, there's no such thing." I'm here to tell you there is. Okay, now it's not like a big booming voice in your head. It's like it, it's like any karate teacher or any remote viewer will tell you. It's a sense of knowing. K n o w i n g knowing. Okay, karate teacher will say, I don't want you to anticipate where your where your opponent is. I want you to know where they are. And, okay. It's it's worth saying, just as a side on that, I have gotten ESP cards a couple of times in my life, and one time I got them again recently. Um, I went on a trip with Priscilla Quantum Witch to a store, and we found some. I love Priscilla, and um, I want to hang out with her someday. I've done I a couple know. of shows with her. Well, you can come hang out with us. Uh, we're all, we're going to be in uh, in New York soon on December third for the conference. Um, so, but I'm in Cleveland, Ohio now. Ah, okay, a little bit of a hike. So yeah. I was. So um, we got. I got these cards, and I was 
definitely trying to find where that sense is. Um, and I think that it's going to take more practice to keep, to kind of hone in on that, like what, where, where you access that sense of knowing. Um, it's almost like it's easier not to try to guess, but to just say like the first thing that comes into your mind might yep. be the better way to do it. Yep. Yep. And then I get a better response, but it's not hundred percent and I need to keep working on it. I need to fine tune. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of my best way of explaining it. It's just like, you're not guessing. You're just saying the first thing that comes to your mind. And if, there's if you have to think about it, it, you're not doing it. Right. I think um, that's kind of something I've discovered a few times in doing research. It's almost like you're putting aside all of your knowledge, you're trying to overcome your brain's tendency to put things into little boxes and just step outside of that. We In mysticism, we called it uh, turning off your conceptualism. Mm, that's good. I like that. That's a the better way to say it. Because I was just like, I've been researching everything from neurology to quantum mechanics and, you know, just all kinds of stuff lately. And that's something that I've thought of. Um, if we just learn to turn that off, then we're going to be more open to all of this subconsciousness, ESP, UFOs, everything. Yeah, but here's the problem. Our whole Western culture seems geared up to keep us from doing that. One, you got that whole little brainwashing thing we get as kids. Okay. Now, lots of kids I know, particularly in my own family, my cousins, on my maternal side of the family, clairvoyance runs down the maternal side of our family. Okay. And I was one of the kids that was had the gift. Okay. A number of my cousins did. And a lot of a lot of them if they had a couple scary incidents with it. They oh, and they just turned it off, found a way to turn it off. Okay. Convinced himself it wasn't there. Okay. Um, I embraced it. I have one or two other cousins that did embrace it. Okay. And it's a whole, we see a whole, we're, I don't want to say see, people think, oh, you know, oh, what do you see? No, it's just, again, it's that sense of knowing. And um, I'm aware of a bigger world around us than, than what we're told exists. And it got me into lots of trouble as a kid. I went to Catholic, my what, mar mother married into a Catholic family and uh, it, it, she had to sign one of those things back in the 50s. Says, oh, we'll raise the children Catholic, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was sent to Catholic school. I was the oldest. And the nuns, once they figured out I was clairvoyant, they they treat, they, they wouldn't come near me with a 10-foot pole. Okay. Yeah. It's so funny because I went to Catholic school for three years, and I got one of the nuns to let me do a card reading. <laughs> I sacrilege <laughs> i know just an fyi i did that <laughs> well it means anything at one point um the pastor used to have me come started having me come over especially after um uh the nuns in great well fourth grade um the kids by that point figured out you know you know uh, I'm gonna have. I'm not gonna call myself. I'm not gonna dead name myself. I was a boy in those days. Uh, boy Cheryl told us what we're gonna get for our birthday, and, and he's always right, you know. And the nuns say, "Oh no, he's just guessing." Okay. And then, um, so finally, the pastor had called up 
imagine what this guy, you got to have a picture of what this guy looks like. He's a, a, a bit overweight, distinguished looking, kind of like John Houseman in the paper chase. You know, we're going to make you into lawyers, you know, that kind of thing. And he um, had me come over for lunch. And he would sit there in a pair of jeans and a, and a T-shirt, and we'd have uh, peanut butter sandwiches and cookies and milk for lunch, okay? And uh, he had one of those big old gray wall and sack tape recorders, 3M wall and sack tape recorders. He had a big seven-inch reel tape on there, and he would put a microphone in front of me, and he'd start asking me questions while we're having our lunch. You know, what are your dreams been like lately and things like this? And I would tell him. And then uh, he'd always ask me, he says, anything you dreamt the last couple of weeks happened? Oh, yeah. It's a da, 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 da. And so-and-so got his birthday present. I told him that a couple of weeks ago. Of course, he had it on tape, you know. Um, so the, he, he took the time to die. He didn't scold me about it. He was curious about it. And uh, like I said, the nuns were scared of me. But uh, yeah. uh, Father G was really good about it. He he really, really looked at it. And current, in fact, you know, I had these inclinations of growing up and being a, uh, going to seminary and being a parish priest myself and told him that. And he encouraged me. And he told me he thought I had a, a gift from God as well. Okay. And that was the, that's yeah. how it was treated. You know, I kind of want to talk about this in a social context. I know this is a little <laughs> like a bit of a jump, but it's not because you were no, just saying our culture doesn't understand a lot of the stuff related to mysticism. You know, obviously in other cultures, it's celebrated. I would love to be a yogi where people bring me food while I meditate and try to get to enlightenment. Of course, I would love that. Right. Um, there's temples dedicated to meditated practice. Right. Um, so. I was in a Buddhist order for seven years. I'm still in it. I mean, I I'm, a, I'm an ordained yogi. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, right. I would love to do that. But our and if I went over to Asia, they would take care of me, right. give me a place to sleep and feed me. Here right. in America, I, they say get a job, you know. So. I just I just watched a thing on Netflix about um, what they called tsunami spirits. And they spoke about the Japanese beliefs related to spirits are very different from the um, the Western view. Um, to them, it's, you know, of course, not a big thing to see a spirit. Um, and it's sort of almost an expected thing. So I guess what I'm thinking of when you're talking and their about... their Shinto religion is very... While they, they have polled in Japan what people's religions are, they tend to say my moral code is dictated by Buddhism, which is always a technology anyway, not really a religion. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, and then they claim Shinto as their uh, veneration practice, which is not all that different from Wicca. Right. So for those who don't know, Shintoism sort of has the, there's a spirit in everything aspect. Yes. Lots of, lots of earth spirits. Right. Watch and, watch the movie uh, from the Gobi Studios there. Spirited yeah. away. You'll get a good dose of it, believe right. me. Right. Yeah. Any any Japanese anime kind of touches on that at some point. You find spirits that are rocks, spirits that are trees, spirits that are everything. So, anywho, I was thinking about how this translates in Western society. And, and actually, I do think not just the Catholics, but also some other religions do still hold on to it. They don't always want to recognize it, but if anyone does, it's going to be a religion because the things that they support are somewhat paranormal, if not a lot paranormal. 
you know? So I think that if anything, if we need to look at our society as to where that still resides, it's going to be in religious practice. Well, yes and no. Um, give an example, Catholic school. Uh, I was in fifth grade. One of the kids, one of the guys in, in my class, um, his dad uh, had an appendix burst at work and they, he ended up dying. Okay. So he was out of school for a few weeks, uh, you know, uh, bereavement leave, that type of thing. And when he came back, there was another kid like me in the cl in my class. Me and Greg could, could, were aware of a lot of stuff. And um, it was one day, the first period class in our school was always a religion class. And one day, one of the little girls said, well, Stevie's dad passed away. Where is he, sister? And she said, well, he's in heaven with God. And me and Greg are looking over at, over on a filing cabinet, looking at his father sitting there staring probably at his son, you know. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, you know, the, again, it's... There are levels of these of faiths, Western, what I'm going to call European, they were affected by what 500 years of witch burning and all that crap. Okay, so there was an effort to put this stuff down. It's been an effort to put it down since the um, let us say this way: the male community didn't want women to have the power because women are transcendent. Okay, and they had a great deal of power, and then they gradually got beat out, burned up, thrown in the lake, whatever. And they have been down to the state where we are. And what are they doing to us again? Okay. They're doing, they're doing it to womankind again by like shutting off abortion, that kind of thing, you know, all this kind of stuff. So um, trying to control them, control their bodies, whatever. So uh, there's cultural issues here, but like you said, many cultures on this planet welcome the fact that somebody who happens to be yeah. touched with the spiritual is is special in their culture i think that our country is actually unusual in how they respond to this because like i said in other countries it's the norm <laughs> like it's just the norm it's like you know if you were to go to ireland and you were to talk about the fae a lot of people would be like, oh, I saw one, <laughs> you know, like, or they would tell you the stories, the ancient stories of people seeing little people or little fae creatures, you know, they might even tell you where to go look for them. So it's, it's a little strange. And, you know, some of these um, concepts are extensively pervasive throughout our whole planet. Like, you can't look up Bigfoot without finding out it's everywhere. You can't look up the Fae without finding versions of that everywhere. Um, I found at least, like, just in a brief research period, at least 10 names for them in different countries. So, Oh, agreed. Know. Agreed. Uh, and I think this is, again, they try to write it off as fairy tales. Okay. And uh, or uh, folk tales, uh, wives' stories, as he used to call it, witching stories, whatever. Um, look what Halloween has mutated into. Okay, it's one of the next to Christmas is one of the bigger holidays. Okay, but it's it's been co-opted into a lot of things. And of course, uh, we had a Halloween party here in our apartment complex last Saturday. Okay. And um, when we were trying to promote it, you wouldn't believe how many women come up to us that were out there handing out uh, flyers for it. And, uh, well, 
Okay, please understand. I was dressed in full witching garb. I had the velvet witching hat and my witching clothes on. And the other lady who was with me is dressed as a fairy godmother. So you had two magical archetypes there. And um, But we had all these people saying, oh, I would never go to a Halloween party. That's got to be evil. Well, that's, that's, that's 500 years of Catholic Church rhetoric saying, oh, those are pagan holidays. Those are demonic days. But they co-opted all of our holidays to yes. convert people. Okay. I know. Now, I know. Now, now, Samhain, okay, they got All Saints Day. Well, Samhain's on, on November 31st. And you don't practice Samhain without inviting the ancestors. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're having a small gathering here. On, on the 31st, okay? A couple of my students are, and myself are going to lead the ceremony mm-hmm. with a handful, a handful of guests. And it'll be a, it'll be a very reverent uh, observance. But, you know, it'll be fun and everything. It's my birthday, too, is what the hell, you know? Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, you know what? I'm thinking right now, since you are, you know, the queen of statistics related to UFOs, I have to ask, have you ever found anything to indicate i mean i have your book right here i've pulled it off the shelf to if i needed it but anything to indicate that on this most spiritual day right um the ufos increase or sightings increase you know i've never run that statistic it's gonna be a fun one to look for yeah, you know, I'll tell you what I'll do is I will look, I'll look it up in this couple of days. I'm, I'm right now I'm deep into what we're trying very hard to do is get the first of the 50 book series published, uh, actually published on Halloween day, mm. but self-publishing it, it would be marked. It would be a, a, a November 30 or an October 31st date as the mm-hmm. publication date to launch the series. That's mm. a piece of magic right there. Mm, yes, it okay. will be. As you see what I'm trying to do. And uh, I literally finished the front matter today to the first book, mm-hmm. um, uh, 200, 268 page book here, you know. So, I mean, we've been working very hard and these, these flu shots and COVID shots didn't help this week. I'm on, I'm on that crunch schedule right now to the end. And we're both feeling like crap because we Aww. had two, two inoculations on the same day. And it put us, it put us, it put us in bed for two days. I don't want to say we were confined to bed. Let us say we just didn't feel like getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we feel much better now. Good. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll check that. I, that's something I can do. I don't have to pull in some database to correlate it against. There is, um, there is, uh, some suggestions. I've had people come back to me and ask me to work it against moon phases. Mm. And I was actually able to pull a database with the moon phases for the period, you know, from 2000 to 2020. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm actually taking, taking a copy of the database and I'm putting in uh, a field for the moon phases. And we're going to test to see if there's any peaks on a particular moon phase. Well, I will say one thing that will happen on Halloween that is a good indication you're going to see a spike is people will be outside. And one of the statistics we talked about before is that just the sheer act of going outside (laughs) increases your chance because you're trick-or-treating, right? Leisure time, hours of darkness, you bet. I know. So if anyone's listening and has a Halloween UFO story, please share it with us. (laughs) 
<laughs> that'd be awesome. But I've heard some good ones over the years. But you yeah, know, basically, yeah, they're again, it fills in with that that the whole notion of leisure time and hours of darkness, evening right. time, and that uh, six to uh, eleven thirty window, which so. is when people will be trick or treating or going to a Halloween party. So, um, the next thing I wanted to mention that and um, you, you do know why people used to really party very hard and drink on Halloween. They wanted to get so stinking drunk that they wouldn't be conscious enough that the spirit showed up. They were afraid to see the spirits mm -hmm. of the ancestors. That's what mm -hmm. that's about. Yeah. Um, in Irish tradition, they used to put, and that's coming some of my roots, um, they would put the armor of dead soldiers into a big pot and stir it. Hmm. To release their souls to come back and be reincarnated back. back wow, back. that's great. You know, it's it's interesting because I um, see in other cultures, they invite the spirits back. You know, they bring them food and offerings to entice them to come back. So it's, you know, we just have so oh, many. We, 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 we frequently have done on Halloween, we do a dumb supper. We set at least mm -hmm. one extra plate for and leave the door cracked open for the spirits you know and the jews even do a thing like that so right. um yeah we, we practice that in this house and in houses where there's been disturbance and things like this you know uh i have quite literally told the people take a little corner of your 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 um uh where you store plates and things like that you know take a little corner of there put a little saucer plate over there with a couple of cookies, not a lot, just one or two cookies, mm -hmm. and or maybe a couple of crackers, and maybe take a once a week, put a little glass of beer out there. And in every case, it got quiet because you're acknowledging their presence. Okay, so go where you were going to go there. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm I'm the opposite. I want spirits to get louder, but <laughs> and what you know that's a whole another thing. But I wanted to comment. Um, we talked a little bit about all of these things are connected and that's definitely something that every type of person that I speak to has gotten to at some point. They started to see everything is connected. It's all part of the same parcel. All of this is part of the our interaction with the world, our interaction with what's true reality. Um, so another thing that I've seen before, which you'll appreciate because you do like statistics and data is a couple of people have done um, kind of like a graph of spirit activity, like hauntings, uh, and mapped it with the graph of UFO activity and seen like the, the peaks of hauntings and the peaks with UFO sightings mm -hmm. seem to match up pretty well. Okay. Uh, I go with that. I, I, I would not disagree with that. Uh, I've often wondered if certain hauntings that people say he while there was hijinks in my household last night um was it really bona fide ghosts as we tend to think at the walking dead or was it um little guests from zeta reticuli you know so <laughs> i think that's going to be tough to decide decide what the difference is and it might be they're all the same thing you know because more and more people are talking about these shadow beings and about what 50 years ago, people would have said those were poltergeists. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the same thing with uh, people talking about the wee people. <laughs> the, the little greys aren't worried about, you know, uh, two and a half to three feet tall, mm -hmm. you know, so a uh, little bi biomechanical. And so, you know, <laughs> who knows what the wee people are? 
Now, that's not to say that human homo sapiens is the only sentient race on this planet. Okay. Mm. And so um, that's, that's another issue. And there was a great line from one of the Star Trek movies, um, uh, the one with the whales. Okay. Um, and uh, I think it was the um, Spock's father said, you know, you're awfully arrogant to think you're the only species on the planet that maybe somebody wanted to contact, you know? So, um, yeah. that's a big deal. It really is. Uh, we take for granted. We, we've got this somehow in our culture, particularly in Judeo, Christian Judeo culture. Oh, God gave us dominion over the earth and the animals, you know, and never given the thought that maybe some of those animals have as much right or maybe are as sentient as we are. We just don't talk the way we do. Right. And so yes, I, go ahead. There's a good chance that the reason there's so many USOs is because they're hanging out with the dolphins and the whales, you know? <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, these are the, the people or the people of the planet that are in charge, obviously. We well, you know, first of all, if you look, there, there's this picture coming around on Twitter right now showing the uh, Earth, and it's showing the water perspective of Earth not the land masses and there was just a huge amount of water so if you were a being coming to the planet and you saw most of the planet is water you would probably assume the society is a water society so it makes sense that that's a possibility um okay as a researcher and as a former submariner okay um one comment I remember hearing uh, one of my officers comment, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the bottom of our ocean. Okay. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be thought of there. And yes, um, there some of these whales out here have brains as big as our bodies, you know, so think about what the level of intelligence is. If we can't communicate with them, uh, I took a course in college, um, back when I was in the Navy, actually, and it was a course on, on non-human intelligence. It was titled um, uh, Communicating with Extraterrestrials. But basically what it was was non-human intelligence. And there were people working with trying to, you know, that were trying to converse with everything from apes over, you know, that one day lady working with the apes with sign language and uh, uh, people working with the uh, dolphins, that type of thing. And... Um, uh, to some degree, the jury is still out, but for the most part, there's been plenty of very good evidence to suggest that uh, it was not a trained animal to talk to you. You know, um, it just. I'm very jealous right now that you had that class in college, by the way. <laughs> like, where's a textbook for that? I you know what's funny? Book. You know what's funny about that? Uh, you know, people claim that they're, especially when we're trying to access academia and they don't want to talk to those of us the the unwashed masses who've been carrying the torch and you about ufos for years you know um it's not like there's a degree back when environmental studies started there was no degrees it was a multidisciplinary team that ran the a a epa and when uh the the whole thing with like corporate you know, computer security happened. Back when I was working in corporate security, none of us had a degree in anything like that, okay? Uh, my bosses have degrees in educate, masters and PhDs in education. Three people in my, in my shop um, had masters or PhDs in language, okay? Um, 
I was a theater. I was a theater major. Okay. So you got the idea, but of all the people I know, my, if you pull my transcript up, the first course at the top of the thing is extraterrestrial life. Two Very credit cool. hours. Cool. <laughs> so I got it. By, I'm, I'm, I, I have it legit. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Lorian Fenton. Um, oh, I know Lorian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she and I are talking about a project that might be related to this topic. You might want to give her a call. But um, so I will say also. I talked to her two weeks ago. I should, talk, I should reach out. Yeah. Yes, definitely. You might be like, we were talking about education and UFOs, and she'll know what we're talking about. Well, do you realize that there's been some schools that have already started some classes in this stuff? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I've been trying to, I reached out to eight colleges here in, in here in Ohio and just offered to come in and show my data and they won't answer my mail. Okay. And I wrote to the chancellor or the president of the college, you know? Um, so uh, it, you have to find that right place that's interested in it. Um, uh, well, look at our uh, UFO researcher out in California, uh, Earl Graves, the mm -hmm. head researcher in California for MUFON. Um, he's, Part, been brought in as a co-lecturer in a folk uh, uh, as, uh, an English class. I wouldn't have even thought about this uh, in English or literature's class about um, folk tales. Mm -hmm. Okay, showing where the roots of this stuff are, kind of like you were talking about with the we people and things like this. You know, so um, yeah, it, it's it's coming of age. You know, if we have disclosure tomorrow, five colleges are going to uh, major schools are come up and say we've got a galactic studies program. It's right now, everything is stovepiped. Well, let for, me just—I will tell all the you classical that, stuff. Yeah, like I've I've looked into the education aspect. We've got um, Jeff Kripal has stuff going on at uh, you know Rice University has definitely gotten some courses going. And then um, I don't know how to say his last name. So I'll just say Dr. Sean, who is at the Anomalies, um, the Inquiry of Anomalies. I've heard of him. Yes, I know who you're talking yes, about. Yeah. He, he has things going on. There was a course that was offered um, as an independent course that I got an email about because I signed up for the email to find out about it. But I didn't do it because I like I know everything. This was supposed to be my master's thesis. Oh. Okay, but when I was uh, when I was proposing, that's the book, by the way, the that, desk that, reference. that is the first desk reference we published in 2017. Um, I had proposed that for my master's degree, and the president of the uh, of the liberal studies program took me aside one night at a we were at a um, a boot camp weekend for people going in the liberal studies program. Mm -hmm. And they, they had us all packed up in a hotel for the weekend. And they were having all these classes, uh, not classes, but gatherings with us, head shaping, that type of thing, expectation setting, that type of thing. And she says, mm, that subject matter, that, that, that would be very problematic. I said, why would it be problematic? And she said, well, you can't do your, you can't do your master's program and your thesis on an imaginary topic. Wow. <laughs> this okay. is such a problem. So um, Monday morning when I got back when I got back home, um, I withdrew from the master's program. Wow. But, but I went out and published I published the thesis. Great. Okay. Good. And uh, what's funny is uh, my papers got taken by another college in the state university system hmm. last November. A year ago in November. They've taken my papers, 25 crate loads worth. 
I got a piece of paper from them recently told me they had awarded me a master's degree. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, in, in technically in liberal studies, you know. <laughs> but basically they said, um, you've turned in more material to us than most professors have done in their careers. That's very good news. Congratulations. That's and wonderful. The, and the 50 book series is like literally the first one is sitting on the table over there in its final form. And I was working on the front matters today, but I want to get off UFOs. Let's go back to consciousness. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I actually was just going to say real quick that if you study this topic, you find out that you're studying, yes, there's a level that I would say is a spiritual level, right? But you're also, mm -hmm. it's almost like the study of humanity is what it ultimately is. And you go on so many mm -hmm. paths. Um, so what what brought you to develop your consciousness? You had the gift, you had some experiences, but what do you think drove you? What motivated you to do that? I wanted to ask that question. Okay, by the time I was 17... Uh, two things happened. One, um, I was supposed to go to seminary, mm -hmm. okay, to the point where I was one of the goody two-shoes that hung out with the priests and washed the cars on Friday and had dinner with them on Friday night type of thing. I was supposed to finish high school, go out to live at this monastery for the summer, and then start seminary in the fall. That was in 1970, okay? That's where I thought my life had going. But two issues were two issues were weighing on me. One, um, there was this transsexual bitch in me that was getting me in trouble, as they say. Um, uh, that other sense of being. Let me say it that way, okay. And uh, the other issue was the fact that because my awareness in high school, I read books about psychic phenomena, particularly in the area of of ESP, telepathy, that type of thing, and spirituality. And some of them were very deep. And I began realizing that what I had was very much a gift, and it was, in, it was clashing with, with the Catholic, Catholic Church. Finally, what happened, on the day that Apollo 13 came back from space, okay, uh, I, I'm going to lose the date right now, but it was like the 13th, or not 13th, whatever day it was, it was a Friday in April of 1970. Um, I'd been down washing the cars with the young priest, you know, and we were having dinner in the kitchen and they were, had a little TV set in there, black and white TV set. And they showed some kind of little piece of film. CBS news showed this piece of film of some bony little babies in Biafra, all these little four or five year old kids were just the head went skeleton like bodies because they were starving Biafra or someplace. Right. And I, I was always a tender child and I started crying. And the, the new pastor, different guy than father G um, with liquor on his breath says, if you're going to be a priest, you're going to have to be stronger than that. You can't be crying every five minutes, you know. And I tried to roll with it and just kind of back off. He didn't want to say something. And he wouldn't let it go. We got into a knockdown, drag out argument. And they pulled me sponsorship. You know what? I think that maybe that was for the best. <laughs> okay. But but I will say it's it's funny how often, you know, people end up 
moving away from the religion to become more well, spiritual. I graduated from high school, joined the Air Force actually two weeks before I got out of high school. I was mm -hmm. in a what they call the cash program. And as soon as as soon as I graduated, a couple of weeks later, they they sent me a bus ticket and uh, I was off. Okay. Um, I was physically in the air, physically in the Air Force on the 20th of August, 1970. Okay. A year later, I volunteered for Vietnam because my attitude about the whole thing was I had read that book by um, Dr. Rubin. It was a popular book in 1969. It was called Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. And I didn't pay any attention to it on the newsstand when I was in high school. But, um, I mean, I had a busy life. I was going to high school, and I was working at a radio station in my hometown. Okay, I was doing this radio stuff a long time when I was 16 years old, you know. And um, one Friday night, I read, this, I read this chapter about trans people in the book. And Dr. Rubin's opinion in those days, now he has since been calibrated by other people. Okay, but in that first book, he said transsexuals are, I can't get the line right, are mutilated homosexual transvestites. I read that on Friday night. I volunteered for Vietnam on Monday morning. If I'm that kind of a monster, I'm going to go out honorably. And I figured I'd get get over there and I'd easily find myself killed. Okay. And all I managed to do is come back a decorated war hero. So <laughs> it's funny how those things work out. But what was funny was when I was over there, um, some Native American guys uh, that I worked with in another squadron, um, I, I was in telephone repair and telephone construction. And uh, these other guys, we worked with these other guys and they worked in the physical construction, you know, backhoes, you know, uh, uh, rollers, all that stuff. And these guys met me and we were having a beer one night and they looked at me and says, you know, um, they started calling me Airman Two Souls. What? What was that? Airman Two Souls. Oh, Two Souls. Okay. Okay. Sense. And I said, why do you call me that? And they all kind of grinned at each other and I said, tell me what it is. Said, Don't worry, Coyote will tell you about it someday. <laughs> And I'm going, okay. Um, and yeah, that did happen to me someday. Got mm -hmm. my butt handed to me on a platter, so to speak, spiritual butt. Okay. But the bottom line on this whole thing was um, that opened up my eyes somewhat. Okay. Um, I was not meant to die over there. There mm -hmm. were bigger things on the plate for me. And uh, I just kept walking away from things that would hurt me. It was weird how that worked. And then I volunteered for a second overseas assignment, went to Japan, was uh, sent up to Korea to do construction. And I came home about six months after that because my hometown got wiped out in a flood. Mm. Okay. So I was let out on a hardship, what they called a hardship discharge in those days. Tried to come back in two years later after my family was squared away. And uh, they wouldn't take me because I had advanced rank. They were mm. only taking in newbies. The war was over. They didn't need all the advanced rank manpower. Uh. So I was walking out of the recruiting station. This Navy guy comes up to me and says, hey, kid, I got a deal for you. You know, <laughs> so, 
And I ended up in the Navy with a two-year package to go to high-tech school and end up coming out of the Navy a uh, senior electronic warfare technician. I'm very sharp in intelligence gathering. That's as much as I can say about it. Um, okay, so while in the Navy, remember I read all those books in high school about psychic mm -hmm. stuff and everything. Of course, some of them fringed in the craft a little bit. I met a guy in, uh, on my submarine who was a Wicca priest, and we mm -hmm. got to be good friends. And I got to meet other people on the ship who were good friends, so to speak, mm -hmm. in that area. And um, that's when in 1976... 77 time frame that is when i became a witch okay well that was quite a lot of it was like dominoes that led you down the path constantly yeah. constantly I and goofy stuff since then um i didn't expect to go into a monastery in 1997 okay um i had probably 105 students at the time but let's go back a couple of years 1994 I got a, I had produced a television program about witchcraft. First one ever produced by witches for witches. Mm. We got international attention. I was on the entertainment tonight, Larry King, you name it. Because I was producing it. And this other gal that I worked with was the host of the show. We did over a hundred interviews in about 18 months, two year time frame. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and the goofy thing was it was like a predecessor to YouTube. It was cable access television in those days. It was a $75 a week cable program, and we were drawing international press. Goofy mm -hmm. thing. Okay. Well, I got an invitation early 1994 inviting me. It's been two years since the show. Inviting me to a, um, uh, a retreat in the Jemez Mountains between Albuquerque and Santa Fe. Wow. And it wasn't a brochure, a color brochure or something like that. It was a handwritten letter. Well, I'd been on national television. I figured, okay, this has got to be some, some, some bunch of guys out there. It's just going to be a grand necktie party for the witch. You know, that, mm. I, I didn't trust it. So I tossed it in the garbage can. One of my senior students fished it out, went to everybody and all the students, and they took up a collection. They bought me an airline ticket. Mm. Okay, this is the funny story. I wasn't going to go. So hmm. I just kept it in my purse and I gave the letter to uh, a Native American shaman friend of mine. He was a lawyer in DC. He represented the tribes in federal court. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I said, would you check this out, Barry? I think it's BS. It comes back a couple weeks later and says, it's real. Nice. He said, if you decide to go put your affairs in order before you leave. I said, might I get killed? He says, no, you might not want to come back. Mm. Ah, okay. So I said, no, nah, I'm going to cash this ticket in, give it to charity or something. You know, I'm not going to go. And son of a gun, if at work, I was a senior help desk technician. Me and a systems engineer, engineer got in a tiff over trying to solve a customer's problem. And the guy, I did not know he was working 90 hours a week. And I did not know he was going through a divorce. And that's when he picked up the chair and threw it at me. Wow. They put him up in the fifth, the psych ward up at Hopkins. And they, the corporate shrink took me aside and says, if I give you compensation leave, would you go someplace and be keep out of trouble for three weeks? Mm -hmm. I said, sure. He says, I'm going to change some heads around here. Because I've been treated since I changed about 
six years before or something like that, I had been treated like hell at work and it seemed to be authorized by management. Yeah. This person is a social irritant. We don't need her. So mm -hmm. I, people got away with stuff you would never be allowed to get away with now. Now, mm -hmm. why is this a spiritual journey? Corporate shrink has me in the office and he says, if I send you home for three, uh, three or four weeks, can you keep out of trouble? I said, Doc, I got this letter from this group of shamans in New Mexico to want me to come out there and hang with them in the mountains. He says, go hang with the shamans. <laughs> I would too, but I wouldn't need the excuse. I wouldn't need to have been abused at work. If someone invited me and someone was paying for my ticket, I'd be on a trip. <laughs> well, the result, I was, I, again, I was, I was, a bit, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. So, I mean, I was a busy person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Plus I had students. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happened was I went out and in those days, the only people who called me Cheryl was the IRS and my boss. Mm. Everyone else in my life, most of it rotated around the craft or, or pagan community, called me Lady Cassandra, called me Cassandra. Mm -hmm. That was my nickname. In fact, I almost changed my name to Cassandra because I, everybody called me Cassandra. Like there are mm -hmm. still people. If I go to D.C., call me Cass. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, fine. So I come back off the mountain. I make a phone call when I'm in the airport because my flight got delayed and I was going to be delayed coming back. And I called two friends to let them know that I was going to be delayed getting back to D.C. But when I called them, I said, hey, this is Cheryl. I wanted to let you know my flight got sent. Cheryl who? Cheryl Costa. Oh, your flight's delayed. And Chris, they started calling people up and says, she's not she's using her real name there's something wrong mm. okay uh i went into retreat for two years handed all five 105 students off to other teachers i went into retreat for two years because i got my mm. ass kicked on the mountaintop mm. spiritually and one day i went with a friend of mine to visit a tibetan temple and a lama came up to me and picked me out of a group of 150 people and said i know you that's a big deal with wow. Tibetans. Okay. That's where the journey came from. This is all of this. It's one thing after another. So, um, yeah, that's, if you've ever had to have any uh, personal story teach you this stuff is real. People do get reincarnated. Oh, Since yeah. that time, he has introduced me to other people who have known my previous incarnation, one of my previous incarnations. You know, it's we. It's a weird experience to have someone sit there that knows you better than your mother, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you've never met. It's it's a weird experience. But on the other, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I'll definitely say I've um, been compelled my whole life to go to China, and it, and I always think of it as going back, but I've never been there yet. So uh, it might be. Mm -hmm. It might be. In my case, uh, I got permission to um, wear temporary robes as a monastic. And I was told, you know, get the hair cut and, you know, get the, the head monk to issue something. I had to get it cleared with the, uh, um, I'd already been, okay, this teacher who picked me out of a crowd, he had me and another person over for an, or, for, uh, a, an ordination, a private ordination. It was done like in his cottage. Mm -hmm. And he told us we had both been yogis and he was just renewing our vows. We both mm -hmm. looked at these eyes. Okay. You know, and uh, because he picked us both out of a crowd. 
So I found out that they also had reciprocal privileges to wear the other, the monk robes, if you got the haircut. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got the haircut. The head monk didn't like me. I was a trans person. He, he always should say, I think you're confused. You don't know what gender you are. Mm. I know what gender I am. You don't know what I am. And he didn't like that. So he wouldn't give me any robes, even though the local llama had set an American had told me, told me it was okay. Mm-hmm. So I went home and made a set. I was a theater person. I knew how to sew. And I came back in. Everybody looked at the robes and said, oh, that's, those aren't right. Oh, no, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. And for, when Lama came to town a couple of weeks, about a, two months later, everybody went and tattled to him. Oh, sheep's wearing these non-standard robes. Oh, it's terrible, you know. And he hit, called for me. I came over to his cottage. I walked in. He says, turn, he's making tea. And he says, turn around. I want to look at you. I turned around once for him, looked at him. I'm expecting to get yelled at. I said, so how did you know how to make an old world cut? Hmm. Reincarnation. Yeah. So this consciousness stuff is multi-layered. Us being in this chicken suit, this, this bag of flesh. Uh, these are, these are, we trade these things off like people trade off cars. I know. And actually I, and this is a question I've had, you know, the um, Native Americans said to spirit, right? Other people have talked about, you know, in previous lives, they were a different gender. I wonder if that is one of the things that causes us to want to, at this point, shed the idea of gender. So many people want to just get rid of that because it's so complicated. We're way beyond that. I am not what my biology says. Right. Okay. I am everything inside this chicken suit. Right. So I yeah, think I am the embodiment of the universe inside this chicken suit. So are you. Okay. Right. It's only a function of the 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 flesh that we have to wear to live in this reality, to play the game in this reality. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it. do you and do you think that like I call it like the Oh, by the way, the whole thing with the, like the, when I talked about the 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 noise the lady noises in me. How about karmic artifacts from six or seven other lifetimes? And it's five or six, 16 year old girls. Try that on, try that on, try that. Oh, well, the <laughs> hair's great. You know, okay. You know, yeah. And, and that was a, a burden. And I'm trying to tell people right now, how can we have all these trans people suddenly? One, the culture is a little freer about being able to speak up and say what you really are. Two, we're, we are witnessing, despite what the GOP is passing two, past 200 laws and all this kind of stuff, picking on the most defenseless people in our culture. What we are experiencing and observing is a spiritual apotheosis. Mm-hmm. We are having a blossoming of advanced spirits, appearing, advanced beings reincarnating. And just saying, I'm not going to play the chicken suit game. I'm going to be whoever whoever I feel I am. Well, you know, I was um, going to say, I call it a different thing. I call it the biological avatar. That's what I call it. Oh, oh, damn. oh I like that. That works, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of, I feel like we're just kind of plugged in temporarily to learn a little bit. To no, we're here for a game. It's a game, believe yeah. me. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've we talked to Grant Cameron a while ago, and I mentioned this a few times, that he yep. said, like, God's bored. This is what God did to not be bored. <laughs> like, this is kind of how that worked. So, I don't know. I, I do think... Uh, We're fun to watch. <laughs> maybe. 
And and probably not so fun if everything went well, right? It'd probably be really dull if everything was good and happy all the time. Just watching people sm smell the roses would be really boring. No one wants to go see that movie. Well, think about it like this. Even God's got to get away from Leave it to Beaver and go to something like Game of Thrones, right? Well, right. you know... <laughs> So I don't know, but that's that's the that's what Grant Cameron was thinking. So I don't know. I think that's all part of it. Um, hard to say a hundred percent, but since I know that you didn't want to do a very long interview today, I just wanted to give you a chance to maybe educate people, give them a few tips on how they could improve their consciousness, improve their connection okay. to this right. paranormal cosmic internet that we are all a part of. All right. Okay. Not that I'm pushing a book, but I'm going to push a book. Okay. Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch. Okay. This isn't going to turn you into a witch unless you really want to be one. Okay. Magical Musings of a Rogue Witch. You can find it in Amazon. If you go to the book search and, and uh, do uh, Costa Witch, you'll find it. Okay. Costa with a C. Now, it's less about witchcraft and more about the physics of metaphysics. Okay. And it's about the physics. It really is. Magic is high physics. Okay. No demons, no devils, no, you don't wriggle your nose and supper appears. It's, there's a physical process that is, and it's measurable. Okay. Point one. Point two, the book mostly talks about head shaping. If you're going to become any kind of a mystic, whether you're going to work magic or not, you need to learn to quiet your mind by meditation a little bit every day. Now, our culture, like I said, it's all set up to have our minds chatter. And Western minds chatter really bad. We're, we're, they're pulling us in five directions at once with our jobs and families and bills and taxes and uh, TV sets and all the bars and uh, bars and restaurants. You know, our cell phones blasting at us, you know, for one thing or another. And all these thousands of channels of, 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 of TV or streaming. Okay. Our whole culture has been set up to keep us distracted from what we, to be quiet and spiritual and touching everything. Okay. That's all I can say to you. That's what this is. And if you want to know about it, yeah, you can go out and buy books on meditation. There's people out there telling you there's 29 different types of meditation. Baloney. I lived in a monastery. We had three or four uh, sitting meditation, walking meditation, standing meditation, and working meditation. Working meditation is the old idea. Chop wood, carry water, uh, be focused and mindful about what your, your duties are. What your, keep... My my mindful meditation, I keep the kitchen clean. Linda's the expert cook. I'm a diner cook. So she does most of the cooking, but I own the freaking kitchen and I do the dishes. I do all the cleaning out there. I just want to comment also that when people say they go into the zone while they're driving, the car zone, there used to be a commercial about this. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the same thing. And Yeah, you got to be careful with that. But... When I say meditation, you wouldn't believe how many people run away from it. Mm -hmm. They try it for five minutes and they say, oh, this is too hard. You know, it's not hard. What you're trying to do is process. You start to quiet yourself and all this crap comes up out of your subconscious is cycling around in there. Mm -hmm. And over a period, if you do it for like two or three minutes a day for about three months, don't try and sit there. Oh, I can do it for an hour. No, the monks over there, they started when they were seven. They, they've got a little more practice than you do. But do it for two or three minutes a day, 
I do it. I, I used to be able to do 45, 50 minutes, no problem in the monastery. These days I do 15, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the lunchtime, five minutes in the evening. Lately, I've been going in in the middle of the afternoon, doing an hour's worth in the middle of the afternoon. I'm retired. I can get away with doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but the bottom line is, is that um, the idea is to quiet your mind. You get to a point where you can turn off the chatter. Because you process mm -hmm. it, just let it blow over you, you know. And um, I had to teach some the, the the mysticism students I've got here right now on Monday nights. 25, 25 applied for the class. I took eight. Okay, and it wasn't because they were highly trained. Some of them had a little more experience than others. It was I had they they all had to write me an essay. Mm -hmm. I was expecting to get two three sentences worth. I I got five six thousand word essays from these people. And wow. they were well thought out. Okay. Wow. And I picked what the ones I thought that would be suitable for this class. I've only taught this one other time 20 years ago. This is a hands-on sorcerer's apprentice kind of class. Okay. So the deal with this whole thing is I had to get them back into meditation. And um, one of the things they had to mem start memorizing last week, there's that great line from Dune. I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little life. death that it leads to total obliteration. Love it. I, I will embrace my, I will, I will confront my fear. I will, I will let it flow over me and through me. Mm -hmm. I will turn my mind's eye upon its path and find that it no longer exists and only I remain. Okay. I made them memorize that. I said, guys, this is a mantra. I have used it for years. Because when you start meditating, a lot of stuff, crap will come up that it will make you afraid. Fight it, fight it by just letting it blow through you like a ghost. Okay. Thing, so I actually think um, it's worth noting that there are levels of meditation. People often misunderstand what it's supposed to be and think they're supposed to literally clear their mind, but that's not it. You're just supposed to be able to control your mind. And that, right. And there's lots of ways to achieve that. You can enhance the experience with music. Some people use um, bowls that make a certain tone. Um, those are those are crutches, though. Please understand. When you're first starting out, those are fine. And if you're just doing it at a casual level, that's fine. Um, even I don't like guided meditations, but guided meditations are okay when you're starting out, but you can't stay with it. It can't be a crunch crutch. You can't have somebody else controlling whether or not you can meditate. The right. other thing that's very powerful are the viral tones. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the music I look for. Okay, music that's got the viral tones submerged mm -hmm. into it. Yeah, um, that works well. In fact, I've got eight sets of headsets up here and headset dividers and all that stuff. And uh, this class understands that, that that we will do some of these in class, you know, uh, some of these sessions. The idea is to get them to get them into a deeper state of meditation than the average person is going to get into. I'm going to push them into it, but we're going to use 21st century methods. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then once they can do that, then everything from either active, if you're going to call it active physics, active, active magic, whatever, or divining, gathering information, the best stuff I learned how to do magically that's in that book, I didn't get out of a book. I got it elsewhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
that's the key to this thing. There's tons of knowledge out there. Einstein plugged into it. Okay. And as he put it, he says, I've opened up one book in a very big cosmic library. That's a mm -hmm. quote from him. Okay. So the deal is, yeah, our Western culture is geared up against us. We have to learn to quiet our mind so that we can focus. And it means turning off your cell phone while you're trying to do the meditation. I used to sit in monastery and watch people. They'd have it sitting on the little prayer bench in front of them. And they'd be sitting there on a meditation pillow. And suddenly the thing would go up. It was on vibrate mode. The thing vibrated across the, the, the prayer bench. And it would wake everybody else up in the temple space. Okay. So we started screening people and say, are you, uh, of course, in D.C., are you a member of uh, National Security Services or National Security Agency or the NSA, something like that? If you are, put you know, if you're not on call, put your phone in the car. Are you a cop, uh, a fireman, an EMT? Are you on call? You're not? Okay, put your phone in the car. We made everybody lock their phones up in their car for the hour they were coming in to meditate. Right. So, Cheryl, I wanted to uh, respect your time. And Let's do another a part two on this talk sometime in the very, very near future. I apologize to you for the shortness of, you know, yeah. I'll go two hours with you. But, you know, um, I, I know you would. I'm under doctor's orders to keep this to uh, about an hour. I know. I feel bad that you're already a little over. I was like looking at the clock going, oh, no. Okay. So no, I'm okay right now. But the, the thing is, I, I'm not going to be able to go two hours like I normally do. I'm already feeling it. Okay. Well, I wanted to say once again, thank you for coming. I wanted to also say Happy birthday again. I know it's a little early, but happy birthday again. <laughs> Thank Since, you. You know, life is crazy. You'll probably be too busy to even see if I did it on Twitter. You see, but... I get two birthdays. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is my other birthday. This is my, um, I'm, I'm 33 this year. Okay. Well, I, I keep being, I've been told. <laughs> the chicken's I'm... the chassis 70, but the, I'm 32. You know, <laughs> I, 33, I've been whatever. Told I... I'm 21 every time I have a birthday. That's what my kids say. They they joke, you're 21 again. Annual <laughs> so, 21st birthday. You betcha, baby. <laughs> I'd rather, I think 25 would be better because then at least I could rent a car, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with the 25, believe me. Right. Um, uh, that's how I got to be duty driver in Europe and every place. Because on board submarine, the average age on a submarine with the enlisted is about uh, 21. And mm -hmm. we couldn't rent a car overseas unless we were 25. And I was 26, 27. So it was like all these senior petty officers. We all went ahead to do this dirt duty of driving everybody when it should have been some seaman, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, but it had its advantages. One thought. Next time let's do, uh, do the show, maybe in a month or two or something like this. Um, let's do it about doing this consciousness thing as it applies to UFOs, reaching out and touching somebody. Oh, there's a there's a whole big universe out there. People just waiting to hear from us. Yeah, I keep trying to say hello, and and then I that doesn't to, mean they don't hear you. This is maybe they haven't answered you yet. I know or you I didn't hear get, them I, answer one or the other. I get the message. We're busy right now. <laughs> like we don't have time to just chat. <laughs> Uh, you, know? you know, the funny thing is I have all, I used to get all this mail as a newspaper columnist. Oh, I'd like to really reach out and talk to an EP. What would you talk to them about? And they yeah. almost never can give me an answer. Okay. I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> I have lots of questions, but then I'm, that's why I do interviews. I have so many questions, but, um, 
Yeah, I definitely would. You know what? It's, I will tell you one more thing before um, we okay, sign off and I get, give you a chance to tell everyone where to find you. One thing that I'm compelled to do, and I'll just point out that I've been meditating without any education about it since I was a child because I had this compulsion and need to do so and actually took time out of my day. I would literally, I shared a room with my sister and I said, no, it's time for me to daydream is what I called it. I need time to daydream. Please stop talking to me. I had this urge to do it even then. So um, I think you might've been a, a blue monk. I'm, I'm very, do you know what that is? Do you know um, what that is? No. In, in okay. Uh, there had been a king regime in Tibet that had banned things like Buddhism after it had arisen in Tibet a thousand mm -hmm. years ago. And when a new king came in, he re-embraced the monks, but they didn't have enough. They, had, they were required to have five monks to ordain new ones. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have enough to do so because uh, their, 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 their lines have been decimated. Okay. And there were three surviving monks and they reached out to some Chinese cousins mm -hmm. who wore blue robes and they, they, they filled out the group that required to do the ordination. It's five person ordination. And uh, so in Tibetan, uh, there's a jacket we call the Tonka. Uh, I got mm. one in the other room. Um, it's burgundy and yellow. Okay. And there's a little blue stripe. It's embroidery on the burgundy sleeves. Okay. Mm. To honor those blue monks that came over and helped renew the line of sutra monks and nuns. It's interesting because so, I have. And the fact that you think you keep anchoring yourself to China. I got a funny feeling you might have been a blue monk. Well, I can tell you that I have a memory of being very young uh, and drowning. And so I feel like someone was watching me drown. And I think he was Japanese. And I think he just watched and let me drown. Okay. Yeah, that's all I remember. I understand. Hey. I understand. Depending on his spiritual views, you'll be re you'll come back. I know. I don't. I, that's all I remember. But I, I, I'm really good at swimming. For anyone who's listening, just in heads up, I'm really good at swimming. But I do have that fear of, of what's under the water, um, and I think that's from that. So I wanted to um, say one more thing, though. This is sure, way, sure. Way, way off topic because you know, but I am very um, intrigued by the monks, by the way. But you, there's Asian stuff all over my. House. And, but, um, and just so your audience knows, you don't have to run off and join a monastery to study mm -hmm. this stuff. Okay. There's plenty of civilian courses out there in, right. in meditation, yoga, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And all of that stuff is good for your physical being and your spiritual well being. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't have to go and become a monk or a nun. Okay. It just happens to be I was one once and it resonated with me and I was fine. And for the seven years that I did it as a monastic in this lifetime was adequate. I did the work they asked me to do. I did it well. And the Lama pointed out toward about the time I was going to come out of robes. He says, you did it like you used to do, you know, that kind of thing. And that was as far as it went. But I had other things to do. He recognized that. He only lives 30 minutes down the road from me here. And I, 
I'm in touch with him regularly, but he, he knows what I do and he knows that I'm educating the world about right life in other places. So I will say um, also, and this is not the thing I keep trying to say to you, but I will say that if, if we were to just relive the previous life, there would be no point to reincarnation. So it's a hundred percent. Okay. Just live the life you have. Just if you learn some things that linger from the past, then that's probably just helpful for the current life. That would be part of the reason you would learn them um, or remember them. The more you quiet your mind, the more you might find you have memories from previous things. If you've got inclinations on certain skills, you probably brought a little bit of that with you from a previous life. Mm -hmm. Now, I had to report to my Lama something recently. He asked me, um, um, are you remembering other lives? That is a sign towards progression towards enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to document upwards of about 50. Okay. Mm -hmm. The last most immediate one I kind of probably knew when I was a kid. Um, uh, I died on a German U-boat in World War II off the coast of Boston, and I was an electrician. Gee, I went into the electrical trades in this life, hmm. and I was really good at it. It's like I knew it before, huh? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was um, told once by a couple mediums a couple interesting things. Um, one said, you haven't had that many lives. Um, and the other person said, if I feel like you might be a more advanced being because you, if you have a almost more innocent childlike view of this world, then that indicates higher level of advancement. So I'm like, okay, the both of those things kind of go together, right? So I, I haven't had many lives and I'm probably not a typical uh, human being in some way. I, I tell people frequently, especially those studying the magical arch, you have to approach the magic. And this is where the people like in the military, they're, we're going to come in here. We're gonna arch. No, it ain't going to work that way. You have to approach the mystical arts with the innocence of a child. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're already carrying that on from someplace, I'm, I'm honored to know you. Well, thank you. Yeah, because the, the, I told the medium that I'm always shocked when people are awful. I'm always shocked when people are awful to each other. And I, I think like when people do violent, awful things, I'm appalled. Like I, I almost want to say grow up, you know, like that's not how we act. It's not what it was this, you know. So I think it makes sense to me when I think about it that way, that an advanced being would know we don't do that. And I also think we're doing things wrong here. I think that it's ridiculous that people aren't just trying to feed each other and aren't encouraging artistic endeavors and mental growth and spiritual growth. I think that's crazy to me that, that that's not the world. It is. It is. It is. And the fact that everything has in the last 30 years become darker. I, I, I've got beautiful streaming channels out there and I, I have a hard time finding something to watch that's not dark yeah i mean I okay there's there's the mind stream has gotten darker okay? i think that's happened before though because if we look at brothers Grimm it has. It in is. previous literature it's happened before and then it ebbs and flows if you look at even like the puritans which is probably why america is the way it is by the way i was thinking about it that is. earlier it is um it, it's been look at the inquisition oh my god okay 
Anywho, <laughs> so I will don't say, get me going on that one. Right, I know. Um, I wanted to talk just really quick about the thing that I kept feeling like I needed to say when we were talking about consciousness and UFOs. The thing that keeps getting into my head lately is to try to bring one down. Like I've, I know that that's how they're driven. Consciousness is what drives them, and I feel like I'm calling one. Have you heard that before? Yeah, reach out and call them, but you know, and, and don't complain to me. You're an experiencer. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I feel like, I, I feel like not that I'm calling it because I want to see it. I'm calling it because I'm going to get in it and drive it. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's something to be said about putting your, uh, sitting in the left seat and putting your hand on that silver ball and taking it for a ride. There's something to be said for that, but uh, not in this show. Uh, one thing you should keep in mind, all my students, I have a big box of Legos. I mean, a tub. And I carry usually have Play-Doh in this house. And I've actually had to throw students out of the class because they refuse to play at class. Oh, okay. The childlike innocence, yep. Yes, and I look at your baby Yoda up there on the shelf and, and say, okay, there's somebody who knows how to have a playful child childlike view, right. you know. So. I have to show you, uh, people who are uh, unable to see will not appreciate this, but I had to get this recently. It's a meditating non-age... Uh, non human intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. I had to get it. I thought that was, you don't like them, huh? Yeah, I thought I, that was cute. <laughs> um, it's a long story for another night. Okay. Well, Cheryl, okay. thank you for giving me as much time as you did today. No, no, I, I'd be happy to do this again uh, in a couple of months. Be happy to do it. No problem. Uh, just I've been under so much training trying to get the 50 book series out. Yes, we've yes. literally, we've built them all. And the problem is, is that we have to put this front matter part on the front, you know, you know, copyright and the title and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually much more complicated than people realize. And we're putting them together, but we are going to, we right now come hell or high water. We are launching UFOs. In Ohio, uh, UFOs over in Ohio. I'm sorry, UFOs in Ohio, and where to find them on Halloween? It'll probably be available about a week later on Amazon. And I'm not gonna push you to do Maryland sooner than some of the other states, but if you want to do Maryland sooner than some of the other states, <laughs> you know I'll be looking for it. <laughs> well, give me a second. Let me tell you. There's the production list right there. Okay. Uh, let's see, Maryland. Checking real quick. Oh, it sounds like it's down low on the list. No, <laughs> I just can't see it. Hang on a minute now. I know it's not in the top five. I know it's not in the top five. No, it's not. Uh, oh, it's definitely not. Okay, just Although, give me a moment. The print's I, really small. Hang on. I, I, we did talk previously about how I've lived in all of the highest um, sighting counties in Maryland, though. It's really weird. I am not seeing it here, but I know it's here because I got 50 slots. Uh, it's goofy. This is goofy. Okay, it's, it's southern. It's southern state, so it's going to be orange. 
So it's going to be orange, 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 orange. Maryland's number 42. So it'll probably be a little bit later in the spring to come out. You know what that means, right? 42? No. What's that mean? The, the life, the universe, and everything. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Cheryl, thank you again. Happy Halloween. Happy unbirthday. And, uh, Happy Halloween. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you very much, and uh, good luck with the public for the publishing of the first book. We'll be looking for that. And by the way, I have heard from Mr. TJ. Okay, well, we could talk about that as soon as we finish. The, him and I are having active conversations right now, so that's that's a good thing. Okay, great. And can you please let people know where they can find you? Uh, book uh, right now, books. I, I we took our website down because the hackers kept destroying it. Um, okay, um, my books. UFO Sightings Desk Reference, the first one, 2001 to 2015. The second one is the Pink Book, 2001 to 2020. That's the one to get. Um, it is, uh, you, if you go on Amazon, go to the book search, put Costa UFO, you'll get it. C-O-S-T-A UFO, you'll get it. If you want the witch book, uh, put Costa Witch, and you'll get that, and you'll probably get one of my stage plays. I did one called uh, True Magic, okay, and that's about witchcraft, so. I, I'm a published playwright, uh, internationally produced public play, play uh, a published playwright. But you've never, no, most people have never heard of me. So, well, if anyone wants to hear more about Cheryl, remember that this is part two. There's more about um, Cheryl's background in the description of part one, and um, all those things are in there. Also, we talked a lot more about UFOs, but with it today we had so much to cover. We've covered. Yeah, we really didn't dig into the consciousness the way I wanted to. Um, let Let's go there with the next one. We'll really get into the meat of it. Okay. Yeah. The real we'll take it like stuff, a meditation right? session and stay focused. Okay. Bye-bye <laughs> Yes. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. This was Deb from Deb's at a Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. For anyone who needs to find me, I'm at Study of UAPs. I'm often with the Calling All Beings crew on YouTube. I'm also at UFOConnector.com, part of UAP Medical Coalition, so on and so forth. I'm really good at answering DMs and emails if anyone needs me. Take care, everyone. Have a great Halloween. Bye.